Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, thank you for joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and I'm always glad that we have a half hour together to just kind of really get some fresh insights and, and maybe even some, some new insights and just that really help us in our, in our own personal lives. And so I thank you so much also for the feedback. That's been very fun, and I'm glad that these are, are encouraging and helping. So we, we're talking about this whole idea of these overlooked, insidious issues that undermine great partnerships, marriages, couples. And we left off yesterday talking about the ego, and I, ex- I explained what ego really is and that a strong ego is the safest person. A fragile ego is the person that really can complicate things. This is the person that struggles with oversensitivity, defensiveness, um, difficulty, being honest about how they feel, what they need, what they think. And so we really want to work on this idea about being a grown-up with realistic expectations knowing how to live in the gray, because we talked about little children and people with more fragile egos, everything is black or white. So I'm wor- so we really want to work on this whole idea of not discharging my feelings on my spouse, on my partner, because they are the safest person. And when we, when we do those things, we, we know what it's like to, to grow up children and how they can have meltdowns and and go off on you and accuse you of all kinds of things and because they're learning to contain their feelings. They're learning to know who they are and be confident about who they are. So we're, we're going to really be that grown-up person in our grown-up relationship. That means practicing openness instead of defensiveness, forgiveness instead of vengeance, we do apologies instead of blaming and you know this blame-shifting, deflecting, vulnerability instead of power, right? And, and, and grace, grace. So number five, oh, and I also want to re- remind you that these are, they're also blogs. So we do a blog that's like a short version of, of the show. So I want to encourage you to go to the website and you can really, you can read the blogs that go along with the show and they'll have scripture references and some of the notes. So number five, life is messy and relationships, marriages, couples is life. So marriage is messy too, very messy, because we've got two people that God is doing a good work in. And like we said yesterday, that Philippians 1, 6, he who began a good work in you will complete it. He is committed to completing it. And we know that God always does what he says. So it's messy while he's cleaning us up and growing us up. So when things stop working, we can have this tendency to fall back into the ego, right? We start blaming our partner for all the snags, and then we add unnecessary messiness to an already 
inescapable mess of life and love. So we want to stop pointing fingers. We want to start intertwining them and walk through it and into it, into and through the mess of life together, blameless and shameless. This means we have to really practice self-control. And if you've listened to the show for any length of time, you know this really powerful tool is if I just breathe in, I can't talk. And that two seconds, three seconds of breathing in gives me time to get control of myself and really think about what I'm going to say. So number six. This is one of of the very, very important ones that we want to have in our partnership that gets overlooked and underused, and that is empathy. Empathy is hard when we're getting our feelings hurt. By its very nature, empathy cannot happen simultaneously between two people. One partner always has to go first, and there's no guarantee of reciprocity. It takes risk. It's a sacrifice. And most of us wait for our partner to go first. It's like this lifelong empathy standoff. You know, who's, who's going to give first? Who's going to do that forgiveness and say, you know, you must be feeling really bad if this is how this went down, if this, if this is how we, how we interacted. And I can, I can put myself in your position and recognize that you're hurting really badly. Now, maybe your ego got involved, and so you're not telling me about your hurt. You're just blaming me or, or accusing me or um, whatever, that, whatever the defensive response might be. But when one partner actually does take the empathy plunge, it's almost always a belly flop, truly. It's tough. It's painful because we don't want to give. And we don't want to be vulnerable. And empathy requires vulnerability instead of defensiveness and putting up all those walls. So the truth is, the people we love are fallible human beings. They will never be the perfect mirror we desire. But can we love them anyway? By taking that empathy plunge ourselves and not keeping score as to who's doing it first. Now remember... We are wanting to love like the God who created us. We're wanting to love like Christ. We want to do that type of love. Think of how empathetic God is to this world. He put himself in our position. So he knows exactly what it feels like to be here. And he continues to be empathetic. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother, right? So it's very important that we practice empathy. That does not mean we don't confront bad behavior. It doesn't mean we don't hash things out. It doesn't mean that we let go of all boundaries that we may have. What it means is that we still can do those things simultaneously. I can set good boundaries. I can confront I can say what I need, I can say how I feel, and I still can be very empathetic about how how much pain the other person is in as well. So number seven, and this is a big one, and I talk to many couples about this, 
And this is, we care more about our children than about the one who helped us make them. And this does not help children. One of the things that we've seen um, in the therapeutic world in the last probably 40 years is the fact that kids are so much the center of attention and parents spend so much time on making their lives perfect and work so much on their relationship with their kids, they forget to do the relationship with the one they made them with or the one they're co-parenting with. And they get all their good feelings from kids. That's a lot of pressure on a kid. And there are countless studies that show the, be the kids with best self-esteem came from parents that liked each other, loved each other, were affectionate with each other, and put the other first, not the kids. Because when we put our kids first, we give them this feeling that the world is their little kingdom. It doesn't necessarily create safe feelings for them. The safety, the safe feeling, the feeling that gives kids so much self-esteem and fills them up so much inside is when they see their parents enjoying each other, they see their parents protecting each other, even if it's from the kids. They see that they put make each other the priority first, and the kids, the jobs, second and third. I know that you, you've seen kids that do this. They're, they always want mommy and daddy to kiss. They like to, they might go up to you and give you, you know, take your hand and put it in the hand of, of the other parent. They love to see these things. They love to see this family. That's what creates safety, is if they know their parents are okay, they know they'll be okay. So our kids should never be more important than our marriage, than our partnership. They should never be, and they should never be less important either. But they should not be more important. They still are incredibly important, but there is a priority. If they're more important, see, the, these, little, these little people will sense that they're more important. They will use it and drive wedges between you. They will begin to play both sides against the middle because that's a, that's a power play. And what happens is, we use this term false empowerment. They are falsely empowered when they feel like they can divide and conquer the house. And that gives them a deep feeling of insecurity, which is gonna increase their acting out. So family is about the constant ongoing work of finding balance. So again, as, as adults, it's gray. It isn't either or. It's this overall feeling that I want my children to know how deeply I love their father, how deeply he loves me, and they can't get in between that. And if push comes to shove, I have my husband's back. That doesn't mean my kids don't know I have their back. But it's a hierarchy. And it makes everybody feel safer. So number eight is what we call the hidden power struggle. And most conflict in, in marriages and partnerships is at least in part a, negotiate, a, a negotiation around the level of interconnectedness between these two lovers. 
So it, it's constantly trying to manage and negotiate the interconnectedness, how connected we are, how strong the connection feels, how pleasant the connection feels. And, and typically, if you've heard me give any um, talks on gender, men usually want less connection and women usually want more. Because one of the greatest needs a woman has is connection. That's how she feels security, which is another of the greatest needs she has. Security, relevance in relationship, being desired, connection. This is how women survived since the beginning of time. They had other women helping them. Because many times, men, if, you know, let's think about Back in, in the day of, you know, cattle and horses and all of this, many, many times men went on cattle drives for six months out of the year. So they had to depend on their community. And babies take a lot of effort and they're exhausting. And if you have more than one baby, the help of friends is imperative. And so a woman's need for security is all about her connection. And men, their greatest needs are respect, success, right? So what happens is there's this wonderful secret thing that I tell women. The more my husband feels respected and successful with me, the more he enjoys being connected to me. Because for men, connection is a vulnerability piece. They don't connect. They don't let down and connect even sometimes with their best friends. Because a man's world can be a very harsh world. And they have to be on guard all the time. So they come home, they let down. That, that's supposed to be their safest place to be able to let down. So if they come home and they let down, and the first thing I do is attack them about how disconnected I feel and I think you don't love me, all of a sudden this safe haven that they need is no longer safe. And all the walls go back up. So the better I respect him, the more successful he feels with me, the more he wants to connect with me. And then I say to men in turn, the more secure she feels, the more wanted she feels, the less connection she needs because she feels secure with you. And so we need to decide what this distance is going to be and what's tolerable. And that means talking. That means saying, you know, I know you need less connection than I do. Or if you're a man, I know you need more connection than what I do. This is what I think is reasonable. And we negotiate it. So that we are then able to give each other time and space. And we have chosen to do it. And we've decided to do it together. So number nine. We don't know how to maintain interest in one thing or one person anymore. And this is a big one because the world we live in is, is pulling our attention in a million different directions. The practice of meditation, praying, attending to one thing, and then returning our attention to it when we become distracted over and over and over again is an essential art. This is a discipline. Our, our, the media that, that we are involved in happens so quickly and the sound bites that we really don't have a good attention span any longer. Part of it is learning to relax, to pace, and, and we've talked before on this show 
about the pacing of humans and that we are operating at a pace that is not natural to us. So many times we need to consciously decide to slow it down. Sometimes the way I do that is I just slow down the way I talk. I relax and I recognize that three seconds can feel like an eternity in our time. So I just gave you a little dead space right there. Because that's pacing, that's relaxing. That's being able to stay interested and to stay interested in the person that I'm loving and attending to that person and giving time and not rushing them. Like, where are we going with this? What do you want me to just get to cut to the chase, get to the bottom line. See, part of the explanation and the processing and giving the backstory, even if it's not necessary information for you to have, it's relating. Relating. And this is a newer thing in our world to not do any of the relating, to do relating in, in little sound bites. Where it used to be that people look forward to the meeting and to the experience of spending time with a person, even if they weren't talking. And storytelling was a big thing, which created so much connection and created that being known and knowing another. So we really need to practice living a meditative life. This is what Jesus did. He gave people time. He took time. That was, you know, that was pat, there was a fast-paced feeling to much of their world, not as fast as ours, obviously. But he gave time. If you remember the show that we did on Are You Actually Helping the One You Love, we talked about the story of the Good Samaritan. And he took time. He gave that gentleman time. So it's an absolutely essential part of our most significant relationships that we give time. So as a therapist, I can teach couples how to communicate in in an hour. It's not that complicated. We can give you these little skills and when you I feel and making sure that you do making the I statements and checking in with your feelings and know how how to communicate a feeling, knowing how to do confrontation, how to be assertive, how to set boundaries. We can do all this. But dealing with the, the things, these nine things that we talked about, these troublemakers, these insidious like termites that start to eat away at our relationships, that takes a lifetime. So you want to be committed to the long haul. This isn't something that we just necessarily arrive at. It's a constant state of arriving. And that's the beauty of relationship. It's the ebb and the flow. It's an S wave, right? We have peaks and we have valleys. We have peaks and valleys. But it's the history that we want to be making with these people. So the lifetime is what forms us into the people that God is is really doing that good work that he's doing in us. It's It's a lifetime that forms us. And we want to be becoming ever more loving versions of ourselves who can bear the weight of loneliness, who've released the weight of shame, who've traded in the walls for bridges, right? 
We want to be those people that have embraced the mess of being alive and who are willing to risk empathy, forgive disappointments, love everyone equally, not necessarily the same amount of time, right? But any person I interact with, I want to be there 100%, even if it's two minutes. And so when we give this, when we have this give and take and willingness to compromise, and you've dedicated yourself to a lifetime of presence and awareness and attentiveness, you are going to truly love life the majority of the time. One of the things that causes humans to love life is when their relationships are working. When our relationships are working, no matter how hard the rest of our life is, it doesn't feel that bad. But when our relationships are a train wreck, when we have the big disconnect, when it becomes stressful and a strain because we can't get along, you know what that feels like. Going to your work and having problems at work, having problems with kids, makes those work problems and kid problems exacerbated. It's heavier, it's harder. And then what happens is we want to retreat even more because of the pain. So when God tells us this hierarchy of God is first, then it's me, because if I don't take care of me, I can't take care of all the things I love. It's God, me, my spouse, partner, right? Children. Then we start going down to pets, church, work. We in America have it completely opposite. We have a tendency to have work be at the top, because that's where we're making the money. Then we do kids. Then we do our pets. Then we do church. And then we go, oh, yeah, I better do my partner. Where's my partner in all this? When we get things upside down, because that's God's design. God's design is God, me, my spouse, my kids, whatever else I'm taking care of, church, and then my, and then my job. When I get that upside down, nothing's going to work. So this is worth fighting for. This is worth implementing. And know that you're not going to do it perfect. All we're trying to do is have these be reference points so that we keep getting back on track and that you learn how to protect your coupleness, knowing that the world wants to pull you apart every time you walk out of the door. So I'm so glad, again, that you were listening today. And I want you to really know that we all struggle with this to one degree or another. And we all struggle more or less at different times in our life with these things. But I'm trusting God is doing the good work in your life and he will complete it in your life and in the life of you and your partner. So thank you again for listening today. Have a blessed rest of your day. 
make sure you listen to the show in its entirety and check out the blog. I think you're going to like it. And all of social media, and thank you so much for your comments on social media. Helps us to know what's working. Have a great day. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember... Be your own best version. Yeah.